Mr. Anthony, look at this. I am. <laughs> you, you I don't just... have furniture, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> These are my surroundings. Uh, that's where a refrigerator would go. It doesn't exist. I'm at the bar in the kitchen, and uh, the only chairs we possess are outdoor chairs, and I think it'd be too windy. So here you go. I stay thought you were here. doing this to stay alert and like stay really that's, focused, like a Jim Cramer kind of thing. That is, that's what I meant. Hi, everybody. Welcome to No Show. My name is Matt Brown. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff Borman. Uh, we want to have a little bit of fun this week. We've been doing a lot of uh, stat-heavy, research-heavy episodes recently. And uh, one of the questions that's bubbled up as we've been preparing for some of these shows over the last few months is, all right, fantasy world. We just got uh, you know, gifted either a very generous venture capitalist or a, a wealthy distant uncle has just given us a ton of money. The only stipulation is that we have to build a hotel with it. Where would we build that hotel? And it can be uh, a market that has potential in a lot of different ways. It's got economic potential. It's a place that we personally like. It doesn't need to be some grand building. Um, it could be 10 rooms. It could be 20 rooms. We've come back uh, in this episode with our results. We each have three. Uh, there might be an, an honorable mention. And I should we start, Jeff, should we start in descending order? I think I already failed the exercise. What? No. How? I actually put together in my thought was, uh, so I first looked into so where hotels being built the most uh, because I didn't want to go with that, right? I wanted to go against that green, but also think through why are hotels being built there in the first place? If somebody is actually doing what you said, right? You got a bunch of money and you got to do something with it. You're going to invest it. You're going to build a hotel. Uh, people are doing those things where and why. So I actually started, I think the wrong direction on this whole exercise. No, no, no. This is going to congruent. This is going to congruent. I, maybe I didn't define it very well. I think this is going to, um, no, this is going to work. Okay. Let's, let's get going. This is already <laughs> ramshackle, but let's get going. And you, okay. At the very least you have three. Is that right? I'm not building in the Maldives. Can I start with that? Okay, no Maldives. Got no it. Maldives. I'm not doing any island where I have to ship all my supplies in, right? We're going to stay with islands that people love to travel to. I'm not going to build my hotel in Reykjavik, Iceland. Awesome place. I encourage you to go, but I'm not going to build there. Why? Iceland Air owns about one third, which is a national carrier owned by the state, also owns about a third of the hotels. And so they've got a total, they, they would call it vertical integration. I'd call it a little bit corrupt. Uh, they control flight in and out. Uh, and because it's about halfway between North America and Europe, there's a lot of transit that goes on there. The way they book people coming in and overnighting is intentionally uh, scheduled to fit and feed the hotel business. So if you're outside of that demand of being able to control airlift, uh, you're really at the mercy of what's left over. So you will be the the, the negative. Here's where I'm not going to build. I'm going to go <laughs> where I would build. And I, at right. mine are very much domestic. I didn't go international on mine. My number three on where to build a hotel is the Finger Lakes in New York. Let me lay out the case on the Finger Lakes. For those who have not been there, haven't even heard of it. Figure Lakes sits in the middle of New York State. It's 11 beautiful glacial lakes and, of course, a great lake, Lake Ontario to the north. It's right in the middle of the state. It gets about 6 million visitors a year. It does somewhere between 2 and $3 billion in tourism. 
Uh, it has some of the best state parks in the country all around that area. Letchworth is kind of the, the, the they call it the Grand Canyon of the East. They have a place called Watkins Glen, which is a very famous racetrack. Um, also very beautiful uh, rocky park uh, at the base of it. You're five hours from New York City. You're about two and change from Buffalo. You're about one from Rochester. And it's an area of the state that has always been overshadowed, particularly in hotel terms over the last 10, 20 years by the Catskills and the Adirondacks. Catskills, uh, as a lot of people know, has really become hot again. They uh, have been a ton of these kind of little cutesy boutique hotels that have popped up for $250 a night, $350 a night or more because it's just a little bit further from New York City. It doesn't quite get the kind of the weekender traffic. Uh, that it serves. Now, I think that's changed because people have a little bit more flexibility on when they can leave, when they can come back. So doing, say, four hours in the car, five hours in the car is a little bit more doable, say, than it was two or three years ago. I love it, your answer. It's also a right. Thank you. It's also uh, wine country. There are 100 wineries, breweries, and distilleries that are centered around like Seneca and Cayuga Lakes. Um, in fact, it's probably dominated more by Airbnbs, um, but you don't have a really big hotel presence there for a place that gets so much traffic and has so many wineries. I mean, you can do, it's, it's almost like a, like a Napa Valley type situation. Like you can go up and down, you know, the, the East side of Seneca Lake and hit uh, 20 wineries in a day. If you wanted to, I, I highly recommend, a, a hiring a driver for that, for that trip, if you want to do it. So I'd like to see more motels there, like you see in the Catskills. And I, I think there's potential to do that. I think one of the things that kind of holds it back from doing that is probably zoning. I need to go research this a little bit more. And, and part of what has helped the Catskills as far as its resurgence is that there were already a bunch of existing structures up there from the old days that you know former creative directors from some brand could come up after amassing a little nest egg, go up, renovate a place. You know, do 10, 15 rooms uh, and then rent it out to all the all the weekenders who come up from the city. You had just a, a hundred of those across the Catskills. I think when you push out, like when you get Finger Lakes, it's never quite had that old time dirty dancing infrastructure of hotels. So you have to kind of start more from scratch when you're building, which I'm sure is more expensive and has stopped people from doing it. But I don't see that as as insurmountable. Jeff, have you ever been to the Finger Lakes? So I, I'm, this is proof that we don't compare notes before we do these things. Uh, one of my good friends is a professor at Cornell uh, and a mentor to me throughout my career. His name is Dave Roberts. He texts me at every time we go back and forth. He will write to me. So when are you opening your hotel in the Finger Lakes? We've actually talked exactly about that as the destination. I was up there about three years ago. Actually, it was the uh, so it was summer of COVID, right? Uh, got in the car, drove to the Catskills, just like you're talking about. A friend of mine has a home there. And we took a couple day trip up to uh, the Finger Lakes. Beautiful. As someone with you know, a fair amount of wine training, uh, that region has a really understated reputation. The problem that most of these wine regions have is self-created in my mind. And that is that they're trying to grow grapes that don't grow there. If you stick to uh, a few specific Riesling grows great, period, right? Stick to Riesling and make great Riesling. For sure. Which wow. is what they've done. All right. Oh. So I'm going to go with the positive end. Uh, where would I build? Great. Uh, I'm going to go with Cuba. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Hard left. Literally. What, uh, okay. Why? So, well, first of all, it's just of personal interest. I think kind of like you, uh, let's just start with where I want to go. Uh, and like everything in life, if you're if you're told you can't, you probably want to go more. I think just recently, you know, during the Obama administration, things were opening up. Trump administration, things were closing down again for, for non-Cuban residents to be able to go back. Biden administration, things are opening back up. And this is not a political play. This is just, are we allowed to go? No more than that. Now that it seems like Americans can go to Cuba again, not only is it of great personal interest, but it's going to unleash an opportunity. And here comes the economics. If you've got all of America now able to go, it could take the demand for hotel rooms in that island twenty by up by a factor of 25, right? It, it could explode in demand. The cost to build would be a bit expensive, uh, but I think your returns would be exceptional. And personally, I'd just love to go be a part of it. All right. The number two place that I would uh, build my fantasy boutique hotel is Death Valley. I would build it in actually right outside of Death Valley, Beatty, Nevada. Uh, you're about eight, 10 miles from the uh, National Park border from Death Valley National Park. You're 120 miles north of Las Vegas. There are not a huge number of lodging options up there. And it's, I think, one of the most beautiful parts of the United States. Within the park itself, you do have places. You have Stovepipe Wells, Pendant Springs, uh, Furnace Creek. You have a really fancy hotel at Furnace Creek, which like Clark Gable used his dad and all those kinds of folks from the 1930s. But for the number of tourists who come through, through there, I think they had something like 1.7 million in 2019. You really have to book things uh, in advance. The amount of traffic that the national parks get and that that park in particular in that area, particularly since, you know, the, the, the proximity to Vegas, I mean, you're only really two, three hours. It's just going to go through the roof and it could use more lodging options. I've been thinking through like, what kind of hotel would I build? Because I, I have sort of an idea of like a very, very no frills, but cool, like basic minimalist space. I think there are ways to to do something that is affordable for tourists because that, that's one of the big problems for people who travel through there. Everything's a little more expensive, like your hotel rooms. It's not uncommon for them to be even a weeknight's off season, 150, 175, 200 a night. And I think there are ways to, to sort of meet the demand that's there and do it in a way that's a little bit family friendly, but then also has, you know, a, a little more zhuzh to it, a little, a little bit more of a design component. What do you think? I, I love the idea. I'm surprised there aren't a, you know, dozens of kind of low end branded right outside the park options. Nope. You have a few in Beatty. But not as many as you'd think. I think there are a couple of chains up there, but Beatty itself is only about a thousand. And I used to think, well, it's because it's so seasonal and, you know, like nobody's really going through there in July. So it's tough for the hotels to the, yeah. the big chains to kind of make it. But every time that I'm through there, no matter what time I've been through there, every time of year, I've been there every season. I just feel like there are tons of people around looking for lodging. The, uh, the seasonality, by the way, when you mentioned uh, Finger Lakes. Uh, and I and I really did look into this a bit. The seasonality is what makes that such a hard investment to build a hotel. Uh, you've only got about 90 to 120 days to make any money. The rest you either close. And a lot of those being, you know, little B&Bs, the cute B&Bs up and down Seneca Lake that you're talking about, a lot of them just close uh, what would basically be all of the 
Cornell school year. And then they open up you know, in the summertime. Hit me. What's your next one? You were dreaming. And I, again, I was trying to be practical. And so as I was thinking of places I wanted to be, I just kept crossing things off. I love the city of San Francisco. There was a point in my life, there's nowhere I wanted to live more. I would never build a hotel there. Uh, similarly with Chicago, although I've never had a love for the city per se, I would never build a Chicago. The, the biggest labor union markets in the US simply make it impossible. You just can't make money in those hotels. So I'd probably cross off those. I'd probably cross off New York City, even though it has some of the biggest development pipeline in the country. I'd probably cross off New York for the same reason. Uh, because to build a hotel I would want to build, uh, I would want it to have a restaurant that I'd be proud of. Uh, and if you notice, New York City doesn't have hotel restaurants anymore. And again, it's mainly because of the, you know, the union labor that makes it so constraining uh, that you're paying, you know, you're either asking your diner to pay three times what they can get down the street, and then it just creates a problem with service, right? Can you really deliver? Uh, and the answer is no. And so most, and most hotels in New York City either just close up shop uh, on their restaurants and even their little coffee shops, you know, it's, it's just too hard to do. So uh, some of my favorite cities in the U.S., uh, those are out. Um, when I think outside the country, places I would love to go and have enjoyed some the most, Galapagos Islands. There was a Hilton, a Curio, a little 21-room boutique Curio is going to be opening, I think, this summer on the Galapagos. Uh, Antarctica is another one. Uh, there are currently no hotels in Antarctica, and I think it should stay that way. I've had this ethical you know, issue with we have to build in places where we want footprints. I'm surprised that like some brand hasn't come out and said, all right, we're going to do a courtyard by Marriott. Um, and it's going to be like it's 30 not that rooms, no one's 20 either. rooms, and sure. it's going to be very basic. But we're going to have our, we're going to, literally going to plant the flag there mm -hmm. just as almost like a, a marketing spend. I don't know. Maybe they don't need it. I, I do know that if there was something like it, it would be like, it'd be like a McDonald's in China, you know, 30 years ago or something like the novelty of something that we are so used to in a place so foreign would be the draw to go do it. I come from the perspective that humans are an invasive species. So for us to put a hotel in a place like Antarctica would be to sign off on, uh, we're willing to give it up and ruin it also. Uh, I'm not quite there, right? I'm, I'm, I'm good for scientists, right? Go study, go learn, pull back what we can get out of this. But as soon as we allow you know, the Galapagos Islands to turn into the Hawaiian Islands, we have no Galapagos Islands anymore. You know, one of the things that you and I've talked about a bunch over the years is, one of Anthony Bourdain's biggest hangups. He would go to a place, whether it's a restaurant or a destination, and he would carry this guilt with him afterward because he knew that his disciples would flood in and ruin it. I kind of feel that way about this. So I, the Galapagos, one of the most amazing places I've ever been, highly recommend going and also tell you uh, nobody should go. <laughs> same with the same with Antarctica. Um, I would not build in, I love Japan, but I would not build my hotel in Nagoro. Uh, Nagoro is a small fishing village, but they have a problem with life-size dolls. Uh, there's a life-size doll population that outnumbers the actual population by 10 to 1. And these creepy things are replicas of real residents who have died. So I don't think I, as cool and quaint as that could be, I don't think I could do that. I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> I, would, I didn't know this. I, I might go to build in Saudi Arabia, even though it's not of personal interest. You got to go where 
the prince is going to spend a trillion dollars over the next decade to turn Saudi Arabia into a tourism mecca. <laughs> yes, I saw. Am that. I allowed to say that tourism mecca? No, no, he's so. uh, no, no. They've uh, they've come out with this. You're right. This huge spend to get people to come there. I also have to say, I love the fact that the, the last three places that you want to build a hotel are the Galapagos Islands, Antarctica, and Saudi Arabia. <laughs> That's amazing. And it, I now, I I want to go to these places now. I'd love to visit your hotels in these places. So my final one, so I have I have two, and I was debating uh, which which one to choose. But you know what? Since the rules are, I mean, we're off the rails here. So I'm going to go ahead and give you both. And I'll give you my pitch for both. And they're both related to wine. <laughs> Maybe you've noticed a, a pattern in my choices other than Death Valley. Um, <laughs> both are related to wine. And the first one is Long Island's North Fork. As people who've maybe taken a holiday up here uh, know or have seen, uh, going out on Long Island can be an expensive proposition. The Hamptons are the Southern Fork, South Fork, and staying out there, even the winter is outrageous. 300, 400, 500 a night for hotels. Um, Airbnbs are through the roof. That even extends up, like once you get bring it back in from Montauk and, and the Hamptons, even up to Riverhead, which is kind of the little central point before the two forks of Long Island uh, splinter off from each other. That becomes just untenable uh, for a weekend getaway. But my wife and I are big fans of the North Fork of Long Island that you 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 kind of, uh, you know, follow the sound out, you know, Connecticut's way, way on the other side of that. Um, but you follow the sound out and there are a bunch of vineyards on the way out to Greenport um, and Orient, which is kind of the fi- one of the final cities out there. And it's really beautiful country. And a lot of farm stands, a lot of great restaurants, um, a lot of vineyards. Once you get out there, you have Shelter Island. You have to take a little ferry to it. It's the island in between the Hamptons and the North Fork. And hotels, even in that space, they're few, few and far between. There aren't a ton of them. And that might be zoning. It might just be new, new build costs that are preventing that. Um, but I feel like there is ripe um space to be able to build some kind of lodging out there to handle the traffic that wants to get out of New York City uh on on the weekends. Uh, and it could use uh, frankly like with the Death Valley example I gave interesting and affordable options. Now they probably can't be like 95 bucks a night, but maybe stuff that's a little more basic, still has a sense of design but gives you like a little landing pad when you're out there that is not costing you, uh, you know, 300 bucks a night with a two or three night minimum. I also just like that area as a welcome vibe shift from the kind of summer house uh, situation that you get in the Hamptons. And of course, I I realize that the residents of the North Fork may not like this, (laughs) but it reminded me a lot. Whenever I go out there, it reminds me a little bit of when uh, we went to Tasmania a few years ago. It, it just has a, a mellower, more neighborhoody, more small town uh, kind of vineyard vibe. And then for my other one, the, the last one that I had that I was going to put as a uh, you know kind of honorable mention is another wine capital that maybe gets a little bit overlooked. It's called Paso Robles. And I, I'm sure a lot of people out here have heard of it. It's kind of the scruffier cousin to Napa. 
It's in California's central coast. It's about three and a half hours from the Bay Area, about three and a half from LA. Uh, typically, you can fly into like San Jose and be down there in about three hours at night. You are really close to a bunch of different vineyards. The people are incredibly friendly. It's it's beautiful weather. You're about an hour from San Simeon, uh, the old Hearst Mansion on the coast. Uh, if you want to do that as like a little tourist day trip, you've got uh, Pinnacles National Park, home of California condors. That's about an hour and a half to your north. And you do have some hotels there. You have kind of a, like a Hampton Inn courtyard situation. I think there's room for low-key boutique uh, to be able to draw in different kinds of travelers. Have you ever been? I have. But, you know, it's funny that of the four, you mentioned it's two in New York and two in California. And I had crossed crossed off both those immediately because the economics of either state are just not viable. They're not viable. Why? Uh, Taxes and labor. Both are through the roof. Do you want, you know, but again, I'm, I'm approaching this from, do I want to make money on this thing? Do I want this to be a, a pet project that I just feed, you know, like Scrooge McDuck cash into every year? Uh, or do I want this to be the kind of business that can sustain its own and stand on its own two feet, be sustainable uh, in the non-eco term? Well, I went through a bunch of options too that I wasn't quite sure about because I, I feel like they've already had a level of saturation that I didn't want to to just add add more gasoline to. I thought Hill Country in Texas, outside yeah. of Austin and San Antonio, uh, I think it'd be really cool to open a hotel in. I think mm-hmm. uh, the space around uh, Hot Springs National Park and the, the Ozarks, kind of the Absolutely. southern arc of the Ozarks. Yep. Um, I think there's some great, um, space up in Wisconsin, like maybe not the Dells, which is a little touristy, but there is the kind of Wisconsin Lake Country that is just past the uh, the Illinois border. Um, that has like a lot of vacation rentals, obviously, but I think is in that sort of sweet spot in between uh, Chicago and Milwaukee that could maybe use a little bit more hotel action. And then I thought about uh, I thought about New River Gorge in West Virginia, uh, that kind of central part of West Virginia. A lot of whitewater rafting. There are hotels in and around there, but I, I feel like that would be a fun place to kind of catch a little bit of the market in, in ways that that haven't so far. So I'll give you two very real answers then. Uh, okay. Just on economics, I would build in Key West. It's the most undersupplied market in the U.S. Fun place. There is no land. There's just none, right? It's a tiny little island. And as soon as you're off Key West, if you're one island closer to mainland Florida, then you're not on Key West. So uh, scarcity drives price. Uh, It runs the highest occupancy and highest rates in America, mainly because of zoning and scarcity. So fun place to be guaranteed to make money hand over fist if you can find your way in. Uh, The personal interest here, and Matt, this may actually happen someday. Tamarindo, Costa Rica. It's on the Pacific side of Costa Rica. It's a surf town. It is about 45 minutes from Liberia, which is the nearest real airport. And they've got a tiny airstrip in Tamarindo, but you're talking prop planes, all domestic. To get in and out of the country, 45 minutes from Liberia. It's just enough of a deterrent to keep it from getting too much foot traffic from around you know, the, the Western Hemisphere. Uh, it's still got that that Shawshank Redemption Ziwataneo vibe to it. We need to put that in the marketing material. I love it. Well, please don't because I still want to buy there and do this <laughs> on my own. So let's let's make sure we edit this part out. Time for the mystery question. Bar in your hotel, any of these hotels, 
You have to have a bar restaurant in one of them. Give me the name of the bar. Shoeless. After Shoeless Joe Jackson? You know, I figured you'd go that direction, but I'm really not that big of a fan. Although I could make up a story that, you know, as a Reds fan, and of course the winner of the 1919 World Series, the Reds were, of course, the beneficiary of Shoeless Joe's bad decision-making. So, yeah, we can go with Shoeless Joe Jackson. But no, Shoeless because uh, barefoot luxury is something that is far too uncommon. There's still a feeling that in order to get the best food, the best service available, it has to be done in a more formal way. Uh, And I would challenge that in every aspect. You should be able to have the absolute best chef, the absolute best dish, and enjoy it exactly how you want to enjoy it. Would you require people to be shoeless? No. In the restaurant? There would be no requirement. You can do what you want would be the point. We're still going to serve the best thing you ever had in your life. So your sign at the front would say, no shoes, no shirt, service. Jeff, thank you. Uh, I will talk to you very soon. Thank you, Matt.